As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Well, good evening, my brothers. This is Bill Maher, and I'm here with my co-host, George Rose, and we are Brothers in Arms, and we're excited to be with you guys this evening on... And we're on top of the world, Billy. on top of the world. This (laughs) August 6th, you know, warm, hot day in in August. Uh, We've had actually a a cool streak of uh, some weather over the last weekend and first few days of the week, and and now all of a sudden we're back to uh, August, the dog days. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> the dog days of summer. <laughs> but it's it's a good thing. It, it really is an amazing time. I, I've always, I'm tell you, August is like it was bittersweet growing up. It was like my gosh, this is the the month of the summer that everyone loves because you'd go to vacation, you do all these amazing things. Mm. But then you had the looming specter of good. school coming <laughs> good weeks <point>. away. <laughs> yeah, very good point. It's. Uh, I always, uh, you just brought back a very vivid memory for the, me of that, all that, Billy. <laughs> it's true. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing time, and I love it. And uh, and I just hope you guys have an amazing summer, because uh, we will not see you until uh, September again. So enjoy this amazing month. We have an exciting show, though. Um, we have, um, obviously, Saint of the Month. Normally, we do uh, news after the Saint of the Month. We have two breaks. This time, we're only having one break, because we have an amazing interview lined up with... Uh, Monsignor well, we have an amazing we have an amazing guest. We, we hope do. it's an amazing interview. We That's do. up to you, yeah. Billy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is uh, you know, in light of uh, his most recent book, uh, which is a diary of an American exorcist. So this is going to be very yeah. interesting. Uh, exorcism mm. is uh, sort of a scary topic, but it's a it's a real topic because uh, we're in spiritual warfare every day of our lives, and yep. uh, He's uh he's an amazing priest. He's really a story. He has a storied life with. Uh, he's done so many things, you know. Yeah. And we'll we'll certainly share a little bit about about that, and then dive into the topic, uh, a very sobering topic uh, of of what it is to be an exorcist and what are the things uh, that are going on in that world, if you will, mm. which is really our world ultimately, because we're all being tempted. Yeah. And we're all targets, right? Yeah. We yeah. all have crosshairs on our on our our shoulders, our head. Um, by the evil one. And, the supernatural uh, world, right? Which it, uh, is more real than this world, really, because it's going to last forever. Yeah, well, there's... there's <laughs> As yeah, opposed there's to this the world, eternal, right? The eternal <laughs> element and eternal side of that, for sure. So before we do that, though, George, we have an amazing saint to talk about, don't we? We do. Well, not not a saint yet. We have a blessed. Blessed, okay. Blessed, yep. Um, and uh, a man who fought uh, spiritual battles, for sure. Uh, Franz Jagerstadter. So... Uh, Franz is a martyr of the church and a conscientious objector. He was born in May 1907. He died August 9th, 1943 in St. Radegund in Austria. And <clears throat> he died by the guillotine under the Nazis. Oh, wow. Yeah. Boy, yeah. they broke out the guillotine. How about yeah. that? I don't know anything about this saint, so this is great. Yeah, well, his feast day is actually May 21st, but the reason we chose him for today, he... he Died, he was martyred in August, August 9th. So, mm. uh, which would be Monday, I believe, right? Would be his uh, memorial of his death. He was uh, beatified October 26, 2007, 
by uh, Pope Benedict mm-hmm. the 16th and he's got it's a fascinating story he actually he was kind of unknown for for a long time but to, just to start with his life and and he was born uh, to an unmarried mother Rosalie Huber uh, and a gentleman named Franz Bachmeier uh, who was killed during World War one mm-hmm. and they didn't have enough money. I think to get married, you know, was why they didn't get married. They were poor. He was a peasant, basically, in Austria. And uh, after the death of his natural father, uh, his mother, Rosalia, married Heinrich Jagerstadter, who adopted Franz and gave the the boy the last name uh, in 1917 when he was 10 years old. So Franz received a very basic education in his village's one-room schoolhouse, probably like the little house little on house the of prairie, prairie of, kind of Austria, thing. right? <laughs> I wish I could say that in German. Uh, but, uh, it says when he was, and I took this from the Vatican website, they have a little, um, uh, background story, a little blurb on him. Yep. And, uh, it says he was, it seems he was unruly in his younger years and he was in fact the first in his village to own a motorcycle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is considered unruly. Those were his Hans and Franz days. eh? (laughs) Yeah. Back in the (laughs) 1920s, that was unruly. Um, but you know, he's just really was, is better known as an ordinary and humble Catholic who didn't like to draw attention to himself. A very humble man. So he married uh, a woman named Franziska in 1936 and they honeymooned in Rome and they were blessed by the Pope at the time. Oh, wow. And they received a papal blessing and Franz was not super pious, but his wife was very religious and had a big impact on, uh, on his faith. And he, as, as he, uh, he had a farm, uh, he became the local sexton of the church in 1936, became a daily communicant. Wow. So he was probably what, I guess around, you know, 30 years old or so, right. When, when Sounds this was it. happening, um, he was, uh, when they had, would give offerings at, for his services at funerals, things like that, he would always refuse it because he just wanted to be of service. And, and do the spiritual and corporal works. of Very humble man, it sounds. Very humble. So in the mid to late 1930s, you know, Austria kind of fell to the tide of uh, Nazism, basically, right? Austria got swept yeah, sure. up, up in all the fervor at that time. And, um, you know, Franz was, he was carrying out his duties as a husband. He was the breadwinner for his wife and he had three daughters. But he started thinking very deeply about, obedience to legitimate authority and obedience to God uh, and what that meant as opposed to obedience to men because there was a lot going on in Austria. There was the the Anschluss, right, which yep. was the movement for the uh, the annexation of, of Austria, Austria by, by Germany, Germany. Yeah. which... Um, Chronicled very well, by the way, in The Sound of Music. You remember yes, that? Yeah, exactly. The Trops and everything talked about exactly. that, that, that occupation, how Austrians started, you know, falling suit to Nazism and so forth. And the Austrian people voted for it. Yeah. They, they allowed it to happen, right? I mean, I don't, you know, they might, might, the Nazis might, Hitler probably would have forced the issue anyway, I think, but. You know, sure, you know, well, they did everywhere else. They did everywhere <laughs> they, else. They went to Czechoslovakia, then, of course, Poland and everything. But, you know, he was, in, in his village, he was the only person who voted against it. Wow. Against the uh, the Anschluss. And, um, and they actually, offer, after it happened, they offered to make him the mayor of his little village and he refused. He said he would not, uh, he would not cooperate with the Nazis. Um, he was called up for military service and sworn in on, in June, 1940. 
so right kind of I mean the Nazis were already they were, they were in Poland, they were in already. Poland and, and everybody knew who they were um, but at the time thanks to the intervention of, of the mayor in the town he was allowed to return to the farm because he needed to earn a living you know he was the, the breadwinner, breadwinner for his sure. family right so he was in active service for a few months and then went home uh, but he became more and more convinced that participation in the war was a serious sin and decided that any future call-up to serve in the military under the Nazis had to be met with his refusal to fight. So he wrote, uh, It's very sad to hear again and again from Catholics that this war waged by Germany is perhaps not so unjust because it will wipe out Bolshevism, right, the communist. Sure. Uh, but now a question for him, for me, is what are they fighting in this country, Bolshevism or the Russian people? <laughs> you know, and he said when our Catholic missionaries went to a pagan country to make them Christians, did they advance with machine guns and bombs in order to convert and improve them? Of course not, right? So he kind of clarified things. Sure, you know? He's, you know, it's it's interesting because today, guys, we are in similar times where you know this is Nazism was government overreach to the extreme, right? <laughs> the National Socialist Party of mm -hmm. Germany, what was mm -hmm. what Nazi, Nazism stands for. Yep. We're, we're in similar times. The government is, is, is really starting to step on our freedoms and forcing us to do certain things. So, I mean, this is clearly a, mm -hmm. a blessed that, uh, you know, maybe we should all be reaching out to in prayer, you know, for strength and courage. Yeah. Because there, it seems like similar dark times are coming. I, I, I don't know if, if it would be anything like what, what they experienced in Germany and Austria but my gosh, we're, we see patterns of that same government overreach occurring today. Yeah, it's, it's human nature, you know. And basically what he says is that uh, <coughs> people, um, uh, I guess what would the right word be, they, um, uh, they kind of rationalized it, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the invasion of these countries that, oh, we're fighting Bolshevism, rather, you know. But, and that's how they rationalized machine guns and tanks and killing people, right? Because we're stopping the Bolsheviks. But he said, yeah, but you're fighting the Russian you, people. You need an enemy, killing. right? Yeah. yeah, you have to kill people to do it. And does that make it right? So he was called up in, in uh, February 1943 again. And um, he presented himself at the induction center and uh, basically announced his refusal to fight. He offered to carry out nonviolent services, maybe as a medic or something like that. But that was denied him. So they arrested him. He went through a trial and um, and was condemned to death for sedition. Mm, wow. So, and then and, and that was in July. And then in August they uh they they chopped off his head with the guillotine. And you know, a lot of people he didn't get a lot of support because people were like, Your your wife, your 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 daughters, your children, like what are they gonna do? How how are they gonna live without he said and you know what he wrote uh, at the end, just before being executed, um he said, if I must write with my hands in chains, I find that much better than if my will were in chains. Neither prison nor chains nor sentence of death can rob a man of the faith and his free will. Mm. God gives so much strength that it is possible to bear any suffering. People worry about the obligations of conscience as they concern my wife and children, but I cannot believe that just because one has a wife and children, a man is free to offend God. <laughs> wow. I tell you... Um Difficult times certainly uh, put an exclamation point on human spirit in some ways. I mean, I think of World War II and the saints and martyrs that came out of that. You can't help but think of Maximilian Kolbe, you know, uh, and, sure. and some of these other amazing saints. And and uh, we know he's a saint in heaven, and we're just going through the formal process. So, guys, definitely uh, 
prayers to uh, to Franz. I'm not yeah, even going to attempt the last name on that one. Yeah, uh, and, and you know what, Billy? There's actually a movie as well that came out in um, uh, 2019 at the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, what's it and, called? Uh, it's called A Hidden Life, and it was written and directed by Terrence Malick, who's a great director, who uh, our good friend Jim Caviezel will, has a great story about how Terrence Malick chose him against opposite, you know, studio opposition to be in uh, The Thin Red Line, which was his first major role. Sure, sure. Uh, which then led to Passion of the Christ and, and a lot of other things. Well, I think right? you just gave me a movie to watch this week. I watched the trailer last night. Um, yeah, it's, it looks really good. A Hidden Life. Now, is it actively out there for, for purchase or or? Well, yeah, rental? I think on Netflix and Amazon. Yeah, you can get it. Awesome. Um, yeah, it, it looks great. And, you know, Franz, his... his Fate in his life was not well known really at all until in 1964 there was a U.S. sociologist who published his biography called In Solitary Witness. So mm. people didn't really, you know, even in Austria, they, you know, he was a martyr for the church and, but not declared a martyr sure. until ah, much later. I, didn't, I never heard of him, you no, know. Usually, of, usually <laughs> even if, you know, we do this uh, every, every show, we'll have a saint. And at minimum, I've at least heard of pretty much everyone we've, yeah. we've, we've, you know, we've talked about um of course had to do research and so forth but but uh, this is this is blessed i've never heard of franz yeah you know and uh i tell you what i'm gonna watch a hidden life i recommend all you guys do the same let's do it in solidarity because again we are in difficult times and uh we're being asked as catholics to to maybe do things that might even be contrary to the faith or 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 to at least uh morality we were raised with so this is definitely a a, a a man that we can really sort of embrace and uh his life is certainly an example that's for sure it is it is so so listen guys uh you know what we're gonna go to break and we're gonna come back uh with a very special edition of our show brothers in arms with uh, uh an interview with uh monsignor stephen j rossetti uh who is the exorcist among other things exorcist in washington dc see you in a few brothers Bishop Robert Barron on the priesthood. I'm kind of a teacher by nature. I always have been. I've always loved books and ideas and life of the mind and speaking and all that. So I brought that into the priesthood. You know, a very wise thing was said a long time ago, namely that if God chose you to be a priest, he chose you to be a priest, meaning he chose you with your particular gifts and what you're going to bring. So you don't leave that behind. On the contrary, God chose me with these particular gifts. So I've always discerned that teaching and writing and, and uh, preaching and proclaiming would be a key part of it. And it has been. I found great joy in that. I've always found joy in the uh, pastoral work. You know, I did it when I was newly ordained. I was in a parish for four years. And whenever I would go to a hospital, I go to a nursing home, go into the school, counsel, engage couples. I mean, I always found great joy in that, even though it's challenging. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Everyone has to work through mounds of mundane stuff every day. Even the Pope has to rubber stamp a stack of papers today. The question is, what spirit do you bring to that stuff? I was folding laundry the other day for six kids. The mound was huge, and I was starting to get this terrible attitude. Arg, I don't want to be doing this. And I remembered a guy who reached out to our ministry anonymously through an email contact form. He was in a different continent. He said, can someone come visit me? I'm ill. I'm so lonely. I have no friends, no family. He was just reaching out to the internet in desperation. I almost started crying as I folded each shirt. 
Thank you, God, for the kid who wears this shirt, the wife who wears that dress. Listen, if you have work today, give thanks. And if you have people you love who you're getting to work for, give thanks even more. If you do, your work might still be kind of stinky, but at least you won't be. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose. We are brothers in arms, and we are delighted to uh, actually have uh, our, our, our guest, uh, Monsignor Stephen J. Rossetti from uh, Washington. Monsignor, how are you? Good, Bill. How are you and George doing? Wonderful. Better for uh, having an opportunity to talk to you with this <laughs> really pretty uh, um, extraordinary, uh, yet in some ways really commonplace topic, because it's, you know, I mean, we deal with the devil every day in <laughs> temptation. <laughs> so uh, we're really delighted to have you here today. Well, I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah. Hi, Monsignor. This is George. Again, uh, thank you. And uh, just wanted to introduce you to uh, the men, our listeners, uh, a little bit. You have uh, a great background. Um, Indeed. Yeah. You're from uh, born in New York, Marcellus, up, upstate, right near the Finger Lakes, I think? Yes, indeed. Yep. Beautiful area, I'm sure, near Syracuse. And um, uh, you graduated from the United States Air Force Academy in 1973. And you were commissioned as a second lieutenant in the uh, USAF. Uh, you received a, a master's degree in poli-sci from the University of Pittsburgh and served in Air Force Intelligence. And all this is before you became a priest. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in, uh, I guess, in 1980, uh, Monsignor Stephen entered the seminary at Catholic University of America in Washington and earned a Doctor of Ministry degree and in 1994, you received your Ph.D. in counseling psychology from Boston College. Uh, I went to Holy Cross, um, so we're a little bit of rivals of Boston College, as you may know. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and uh, Monsignor, you've been on uh, TV, like Meet the Press, Larry King Live, um, the CEO of the St. Luke Institute in Silver Spring, Maryland, and currently, you're on the faculty, I believe, at the Catholic University of America, teaching in the School of Theology and Religious Studies. But my favorite part of your whole background is that you've been the chaplain of the Washington National since 2009. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and well, that was wonderful when they won the World Series. It was such so thrilling. Well, you know, it's funny, Monsignor George says that almost tongue-in-cheek in some ways. He's an amazing baseball fan, but he heads up the Asian operations for the New York Yankees, so... There's that, oh. that connection there uh, that you guys actually share right out of the gate. We do, yeah. In Monsignor, I started out with the Yankees originally in 1998. I was the translator for Hideki Arabu, uh, the Japanese mm. pitcher. So I, I still do a lot of Japanese-related stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I would ask you to, 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 you know, we need some prayers this season. We're fighting for a wild-card spot right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, and maybe since we're in the American League, maybe you could uh, pray for us. We're not in the National League. <laughs> well, I certainly would. I, I, I like the Yankees and uh, second to the Nats, of course, but uh, we're wishing you well. Well, growing up in New York, did you grow up as? Uh, did you have a team that you were a fan of when you well, were young? Well, typically, yeah, I would all be either Yankee fans or Mets fans or both, you know. So uh, they were the New York teams. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was a, a Met fan when I was very young because my dad was an old Brooklyn Dodger guy, and he hated the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my uncle took me to one game at Yankee Stadium when I was, I think, in seventh grade, and I just—I never forget walking in the tunnel and seeing that green grass on the field. 
and it was like you went to heaven almost. It was like, yeah. wow. And ever since that day, I was a Yankee fan. Yeah, it's well, the American uh, sport. I mean, it's just a baseball. I, I, it's so much fun, and it's uh, just a wonderful experience to be a baseball fan, you know, so I really enjoy it. It, it is great. And, um, you know, I, uh, we, we have mass at Yankee Stadium, too. Actually, we're not right now since COVID, but we uh, – no. We have a deacon, Deacon Tom Barbagallo, who uh, works. He's the archivist for the team, and he was ordained uh, a deacon, I guess, about about three or four years ago. Uh, so we have mass every Sunday home game, uh, usually, which I think you probably do for for the Nationals as well, right? We do, but as you mentioned, with COVID, it's been kind of uh, suspended until uh, we do, everything lifts. Yeah, hard to get restarted because you're just not allowed to move around the the stadium the way you used to be. Like, at least near the clubhouse and with the players and that. You gotta well, be. MLB is very strict about its rules, what they need to be with the players, and so uh, yeah, it's very tight. Yeah, yeah, it is. So and and perhaps you know that our the general manager of the Yankees, Brian Cashman, he went to uh, Catholic University. Oh. I didn't know that. Yes, and when he graduated, he held the record for the most hits ever for a Catholic University baseball player. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did meet Joe Torre, you know, a good Catholic guy. And, yes. And uh, we had a nice little chat, and uh, it was that back in Joe's day. Yeah, his sister is uh, a nun, too, well-known nun. Uh, but, yeah, the Torres are a great, great Italian Catholic family, similar to the Rossettis, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, uh, uh, Monsignor, we really do appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today. Uh, you know, in light of your most recent book, A Diary of an American Exorcist, which is easily obtainable on Amazon, both George and I have our copies right in front of us here. Mm-hmm. We, we really uh, think that this is a, a really relevant topic. It's relevant, I guess, for any uh, age, but my gosh, and the way the world is going these days, it, you know, sort of... Uh, it's blocking and tackling for its spiritual life in some ways, having this, you know, realization that we are in battle, we are in war. And what were your thoughts um, with uh, writing this particular book? Uh, what did you, what do you want to accomplish with, uh, with its publication? Well, I've been on Exodus for about 14 years, and we found our caseloads, not only ours, but around the country, uh, Exorcist have been rising rapidly. Um, I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Mm. But one of the reasons is there's so many people today doing occult things, mm. not practicing the faith, uh, committing serious sins, and, and, and doing occult things like being witchcraft and, mm. and um, some of these New Age spiritualities and all those things, you know, it's all these divination, tarot cards, that sort of thing, and they think it's common or Mm. Uh, or Ouija boards. People, for example, that famous movie, The Exorcist, sure. that scared the daylights out of everybody in 1973. That was based on a real case of a 12 year old boy who was using uh, a Ouija board for months mm. and he got just possessed. And it was an ugly case, but by the grace of God, uh, he was liberated. But people don't realize the danger they're in when they're practicing these uh, divination uh, and, and also sorts of witchcraft and that sort of stuff it's it's uh you're you're placing yourself in hard way hmm. yeah no doubt that was a, a amazing case uh um boy was uh possessed uh, uh through the ouija board in maryland and was actually exercised in st louis at a monastery yeah. and it was uh it was the crashing in of saint michael at the very end uh because i actually have the, the the notes of that are in a book a recently published book actually 
So anyone who's interested in that topic can certainly read the actual notes of the of the priest who, uh, or actually the assistant priests actually uh, who are in those exorcisms. Pretty pretty uh, sobering stuff. Um, it is, and his. I read the notes too. Were fascinating, and in my book, the Diary of American Exorcist, you see the same types of events happening. And so, one of the things that is confirming us in our ministry is when exorcists sit and talk to each other. They have similar experiences around the globe. Similar things happen, similar kinds of things, so it affirms us in, in what we're doing. That's mm. phenomenal. I mean, it's, there's been, since the 90s, I guess, uh, Father Gabriel Amorth's kind of sort of seminal work, and Exorcist yeah. tells his stories, really sort of seemed to open this up um, and, and bring a, a, a reinterest in the topic. And I think... Uh, you're 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 part of that wave right now. Um, do do you have uh, relations with a lot of the other exorcists that that meet in Rome and so forth? Sure, I've been to the, all these conferences, and we we actually at our place, the St. Michael Center in Washington, uh, we actually uh, host once a month a confidential chat of exorcists in the country online. Mm-hmm. So we share cases, we uh, just chat online. And uh, we've got an app now which encourage people to download. It's called Catholic Exorcism. So go to the, uh, the Internet, download the app Catholic Exorcism, and you'll find lots of deliverance prayers mm-hmm. there, deliverance prayers for laity, for priests, and for exorcists. So that's another way we sort of have people stay in touch with each other, you know, through these electronic means. Yeah, that's a great app, uh, even for priests. I mean, in fact, the first... Yeah. Like four or five sections are, are specifically for priests, and then at the end there's there's those deliverance prayers. Great app, by the way. I did download that, and uh, it is it is on my permanent list, my my app tickler list, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, read and, and there's great deliverance prayers there. People, a lot of people concerned sometimes, and so there's different prayers for different kinds of things. Prayers before you go to bed. Prayers for technology. One thing that's fascinating with people is that uh, demons do affect our technology. We see it happen all the time when we're trying to talk to a possessed person on the phone, the line will keep mysteriously dropping. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or anytime we're doing some sort of uh, exorcism thing, oftentimes demons will mess with the technology. And so there's a prayer there to protect one's t- technology. So there are all kinds of different kinds of prayers there for, for different circumstances. Yeah, I think uh, there was an article in the New York Post um, I think the headline was about that, uh, yeah. you know, about demons getting in, into your text, and and that got a that was got a lot of uh, exposure. You know, I had people texting me the article yeah. <laughs> from the New well, York Post. People, don't, some people don't believe it, but the real question is, do demons really enter our world and affect us? Mm. And and somebody's told me, I don't. Some people say, well, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, Jesus did, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it, and uh, he spent much of his ministry casting out demons and exercising, <coughs> and then he said, and I give my uh, apostles and disciples the, this authority and power to cast out demons. So he said, continue the ministry that I did. So we're just simply continuing the work of, of Christ, which is very well documented in the New Testament. Yeah, I, I think um, you, you minimize uh, Christ, what Christ accomplished with the cross and, cross and resurrection when you try to demystify uh you know the spiritual realities that are around us um i i i think um in fact one of the 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 principal reasons why george and i really were anxious to do this is um you know this is a, a very sobering topic but my gosh um if if the devil is real 
well then my gosh god must be <laughs> so yeah. it's maybe the the one of the most positive if you will um affirmations for the existence of god is is the reality of of the devil and his workings in life and and maybe even you know not greater but but alongside that is the the centrality of of the, of the church jesus christ and and the church yeah. because you know well definitely that's one thing you you learn in this ministry you you learn the truths of the faith by experience it's not just something someone taught me in a in a classroom you're you're experiencing it and uh, for example, uh, as you imply that we were exercising this one uh, woman who, man, uh, uh, she was in her 30s. She was possessed for sure. And her family, and she had been doing all sorts of occult stuff, uh, and she was an atheist. Mm-hmm. And she, 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 um, she was possessed. I said, well, she knew there were demons, and she was thanked by God, got liberated. But I said, well, where do you think those demons came from? Where, I mean, so right, it, it it implies the existence of God, and uh, and then the, the power of the church. And the, it, she came to us. She knew that if you have demons, where do you go? You go mm. to a Catholic priest. Mm. And so, by the power of the, the church that the Lord has given to us in Jesus' name, we we cast out the demons. And so that affirms that not only there is a God, but He has given us the authority in His church to cast these demons out. It's it's powerful, you know. I, even in my darker times in my life, it's like you know when when doubts pop up, it's this reality that always sort of or or often you know tip me back to the reality of the church and everything. Because there's so many temptations, you know. Even you know, I don't know if you're familiar with quantum physics, but there's this little movement popping up within quantum physics that's, you know, they're arguing the you know the rational and scientific proofs for the existence of of the soul, if you will, you know, of the, that, that consciousness is eternal and so forth. That, and that's all amazing stuff. But, you know, it seems like a lot of people that are, are starting to come to the realization that there is a creator and all that stuff, they tend to start getting swept into like Eastern understandings of, 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 you know, existence or eternity, if you will. And this is, again, this is that one seminal area that, man, this is hard proof that, it's Jesus Christ. It's the centrality well, of Christ. Well, there are some things that happen. In actual, some, some people say, well, I don't believe in uh, demons. I said, if you spend about 48 hours with us, and you will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you will. I mean, it's, some things that happen are just... For example, this one woman was... She, she was possessed, and she would wake up in the morning with these burned upside-down crosses on her, on her arm mm, and these huge scratch marks on her back. They looked like claw marks. Mm. And uh, and they'd last for about a few hours. She took some pictures of them, and I've got the pictures. But you know, they last for a few hours and then disappear, which is impossible. Uh, but, but but so where do they come from? Well, it's Satan who burns these upside down crosses on people. Why? Because he's branding them and he's saying, first of all, he's mocking Jesus and mm. his cross, and then he's trying to say. I claim this person, you belong to me. Mm. And, and then what we do on the right, by the power of Jesus, we say, by the sign of his cross, the real cross, I claim you for Christ our Savior, as we do in the sacrament of baptism. Wow, wow. Hey, uh, just guys, we're just to remind you, we're talking with Monsignor Steve Rossetti, Stephen Rossetti of the Archdiocese of Washington. He's the uh, the exorcist for for the, the Diocese of Washington, D.C. And um, 
Uh, Monsignor, I wanted to ask, so how did, so 14 years you've been an exorcist now. Yep. How did you first get into this? So I'm sure when you first became a priest and you were leaving the Air Force, you did not probably think you were going to be an exorcist, right? <laughs> well, first of all, you pick an old priest. I'm 70, and uh, you pick an old guy, which is good because this is not a ministry for someone who's too young. Mm. And because uh, it can be treacherous, you know, Satan is always trying to jerk you around. Mm. Um, but it's interesting how we get into it. As a matter of fact, the way I got into it was the same way I talked to an exorcist yesterday, and he, the same thing happened to him. But the cardinal calls me, and I'm a psychologist, as you uh, may know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, he asked me to evaluate someone who we thought they thought might be possessed or might not be. Mm-hmm. So I evaluated the person psychologically, and I said, no, it's not a psychological problem. You need to call an exorcist. Mm-hmm. So the cardinal talks to it's about three priests, and they all said, no, they wouldn't do it, mm-hmm. which is, you know, so... We're sitting around, I'm sitting and talking to the auxiliary bishop, and said, what are we going to do about this? I said, well, give it to me. What the heck? I said, I'll do it. I said, how hard can it be? (laughs) 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 That was my first naive, stupid statement. But I I would say, uh, so that's how it happened. No one else would do it. And uh, that's kind of a shame. But uh, so I started, and I learned the the School of Hard Knocks, but I had a senior exorcist who was training me, which helped. Wow. You know, it's funny. We had uh, you. You may have heard of a, a gentleman named Brian Gale. Uh, he spoke at our conference. We we do a, a men's conference every year called Catholic Men for Jesus Christ in in the Diocese of Trenton. And uh, Brian was very candid about a daughter of his. And and Brian's written. He's a great Catholic evangelist. Knights of the Immaculata. He's written uh, books called you know Fatherless, Motherless, and Childless, which are, are, are you know a tour de force of of Catholic theology in in um, fictional works mm-hmm. but he had a daughter who was possessed and and oh. lived in uh you know in his home and they didn't know what was going on and they called the priest who also basically ran away from the house he's oh. very candid oh. in the story we couldn't find a priest that would do this for us yeah. and what happened with his daughter is she she suffered from depression but she was sexually abused uh by mm. a friend of the family who they took in who lost a job and was hit hit on hard times and they allowed him to live in the house with them and sexually abused the daughter, which I think, you know, made her depression a lot worse and kind of opened the door for these bad things to happen to her. And she ultimately, it's a really sad story because she ultimately committed suicide and, oh, and he feels, he just felt terrible. It's a really hard story to listen to, but um, it, it's amazing to me because I, I, I put, Catholic priests on the highest pedestal and, and the work that you do is uh, just so extraordinary. And I, I can't imagine being a Catholic priest and honestly not wanting to take it on, man, like, like the yeah. challenge, like yeah. let's, you know, let's go for well, it. Let's kick, let's kick some butt here. You know? Well, yeah. One of the problems is they're not trained. I mean, mm. uh, we're trying to get uh, seminaries to start um, almost none of the seminaries, except, except one that I know of mm. have any training in deliverance, deliverance ministry. Mm. Uh, so I think that's a real lacuna. And people come to the uh, to rectories and say, Father, please help me with this. Now, a lot of them, admittedly, have, just have psychological problems, which, which so you have to discern the difference. But there are some people who really do have problems with demons, and the mm. priest needs to be able to, to, to do something about that uh, in charity to help the people. And it's part of Jesus' ministry to us. So one of the things that we're doing at St. Michael's Center is we're helping train uh, priests, and we're doing another session this fall for priests on how to do a deliverance ministry. Because most people who come 
with a demonic problem are not possessed. They don't need an exorcist. They're what we call oppressed. Mm-hmm. So they have a, a, a lesser form of it, and and that's much easier to, to fix uh, much more quickly. And that, that actually uh, raises one of the other questions I wanted to, to ask you. Um, you know, as... as any human being on the planet, you're going to deal with ordinary temptation from the devil. That's yeah. ordinary activity. But could you define the extraordinary? There's the oppression, the obsession, yeah. um, well, infestation. Yeah, that's right. All of us, are, as you mentioned, uh, 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 Bill, are tempted by Satan. And, and let's be clear about this. That voice talking in your ear, telling that you're a bum, that God doesn't care about you, there's no hope for you, and you're doomed. That's not God's voice, that's Satan's voice in your ear, number one. So we mm-hmm. all get that. Mm. Uh, number two, but there are times when, when Satan can have what we call, you mentioned, his, his extraordinary activity. And that uh, can be, uh, there are many different kinds of open doors to that. Uh, as George mentioned, some can be uh, by, by the uh, abusive actions of other people, uh, or you can be cursed. Some mm-hmm. kids are dedicated uh, in Santeria or voodoo to, to demons mm-hmm. at their birth by their parents, and sadly. Yeah. Uh, other times, people are not practicing the faith, committing serious sins, and then they, they're starting to do occult stuff, which is a dangerous uh, combination. Mm. Uh, and so the lower levels of some demonic activity, extraordinary, what's called oppression. Uh, if it's in your, just in your head, uh, where the Satan's really pounding away in your head, uh, we call that obsessions. But as it gets stronger and he starts to take over your body from time to time, then we call that uh, partial possession and then a full possession. What about uh, diabolic infestation? Have you uh, come across that? Oh, yeah. Give you a story. This is true. I hope we got a couple minutes. Oh, we got, guy, we guy got plenty of time. Plenty of time, Father. <laughs> He's uh, uh, not practicing evangelical, and his whole, the rest of his family didn't believe, wife and kids. They move into this house around August. April, the former owner of the house, dies. Turned out that he was a child molester, sadly, and also a practice lot of the occult. So he dies. They take over the house. And, you know, within weeks of being there, literally all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, was, it, it was a bad movie, you know, doors slamming, windows slamming. Uh, the dogs howling, uh, temperature drops, this whistling, breezes, being choked. I mean, uh, and uh, uh, hear voices, thumping, banging. I mean, the whole, it's the whole thing, you know, lights turning on and off. So uh, they're all terrified. They're all sleeping in, the, in their, the parents' bedroom at night, the whole family. They're mm. just terrified. Mm. So he finally gets a hold of me, and I, and I heard his story. And I went, oh, my gosh, this is, this is an emergency. Mm. So I call this pastor up, a good Vietnamese priest, and I said, Father, you got these people in your parish, and they need some help. He says, well, I'm going on vacation tomorrow. I go, oh, I, oh, I, this is an emergency. Can you go tonight? So God bless him. He did. Mm. Goes to the house, does, and I told him what to do. I, I do the minor exorcism, uh, the cleansing in the house, the holy water, the, the oil, the whole thing. So he does that, and then he goes on vacation. And then I talked to the family about a week later. I said, how is it now? They said, well, it's about 50% better, mm-hmm. but, but we still have some problems. I said, fine. The priest will come back in a week. priest comes back in a week. He goes into the house a, a second time and does the minor exorcism, cleanses the place, uses holy water, says the right, and, and leaves. And the family said, we have not had a problem since. They just talked to me uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's been over a year, and uh, everything's fine. 
And interestingly enough, they're now in the front pews of their church. <laughs> I was going to say, are yeah. they Catholic yet? That, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I what have a, to... Yeah. Now, I have to admit, uh, in, in, even in my household, there was some goofy things going on. Um, one of my kids, the bed was shaking and, and a few, mm. few goofy things like that. And I, I spread the exercise salt and uh, I followed some of the formulas that Father Amorth talked about with the, with the uh, oil, you know, making the sign of the cross over the windows and praying yeah, to yeah. our Father. And that sort of all stopped. Um, yeah, see, most, most of the time that infestation will stop fairly quickly unless it's a real bad case. But uh, typically, it'd be fairly quick. Again, go to the app, Catholic Exorcism, and download some of those prayers. And yeah, you can do a lot. Way that's why the the church gives us sacramentals: exercise, oil and salt, holy water, statues, crucifixes. I mean, do you have a blessed crucifix in your house? Mm. I, I just uh, posted them on my blog that. Uh, we had some people bless their houses, and some possessed people had a hard time going into the house mm-hmm. because the demons were repelled uh, by the blessed house. So make your mm. house a little church, a little holy place. Mm. That's awesome, Pa. Um, what about vexation? Um, tell us about vexation. I've heard some exorcists talk about diabolic vexation. Uh, there's different ways of defining it. Uh, how I would define it, and this might not be what you're thinking of, is that you can have you can be oppressed by demons because frankly it, the Lord's allowing this for your sanctification and of course the great cases of that Catherine of Siena was uh, pummeled by demons throughout her life mm. Padre Pio Gemma Galgani I mean there's just a whole list of all the mystics mm. were uh, were pummeled by demons as uh, they were victim souls it was for their sanctification the sanctification of the world so. Uh, that can happen, and there are some people we call, we call spiritual sensitives, who are more aware of the spiritual battle, if you will, and will actually be able to feel the presence of demons, and uh, they will be more uh, tormented uh, by demons. Uh, so, I would call that. Is that what you're thinking about? Vexation? Yeah, it's sort of like the cure de ours, you know, the yeah. the potato eater. And he yeah. was called. Well, right, uh, matter of fact, I, I don't know if it was uh, the Curie of ours or St. Catherine, I can't remember who, but one of them woke up in the middle of the night and there was a huge demon mm. at the bottom of his, his or her bed. And he said, uh, Oh, it's only you. He used to call the devil the old rake. Yeah, I think that was St. Catherine of Siena. I kind of remember that story. You know, (laughs) looking at your book, uh, Monsignor, The Diary of an American Exorcist, it's it's great. There's just a lot of small stories, just two or three pages, little experience. Like, it's your diary, basically, right? As you've been doing exorcisms. And and I haven't haven't had a chance. I just got the book. I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing. But some of it's really interesting. One that just jumped out at me last night was uh, anger feeds the demons oh yeah yeah and um does that include roid rage father oh <laughs> uh, well see you're talking about the beginning of the show and which uh i found to be true i'm concerned about america first of all as you know i'm a veteran you mentioned mm-hmm. i love the country i love america it's a wonderful mm-hmm. country but uh the the level of rage violence discord mm-hmm. and backbiting in this country has gotten so yeah high yeah that's that's Satan's that's Satan's uh, footprint. Uh, I love this uh, statement by Martin Luther King. You know, hatred cannot drive out hatred. Only love can drive out hatred. Mm. And the demons feed on hatred and rage and mm. discord. Uh, so, 
Uh, even, for example, it's just a sign that, that we, this country needs, needs a little bit of cleansing. And, and love your enemies. Jesus meant that. It, it, this wasn't just some throwaway line. Jesus said, love your enemies. Mm. Bless those who curse you. Mm. This will prove that you're sons and daughters of a Heavenly Father who shines on the just and the unjust. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Mm. Uh, Democrats, pray for Republicans. Republicans, pray for Democrats. Blacks mm. and whites, pray for each other. Love each other, your brothers and sisters. Mm. If we don't, uh, this country will go in the wrong direction and we'll be feeding the, the demonic. Yes, yeah, ever my, since even COVID, there's been an uptake in anger and so forth. And my, my oh, sister yeah. takes phone calls uh, um, daily from, from customers, and she said since COVID, it's been like people have just been just angry, just beyond yeah. anything she's ever experienced. I've heard that from a few people. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's true. But one, one thing I, I want to say, I uh, just want everyone to hear this. Uh, sometimes people get frightened by Satan, though. And uh, that, there's this implicit dualistic notion of the universe, somehow that God mm. and Satan are equal. No, no, no. There's only one God. Satan, as I say, is a dust bunny compared to Jesus. I mean, <laughs> he's dirt. I mean, basically, so... Don't worry, don't be so frightened of Satan, you know, just trust in Jesus. As I keep telling our people come to us, the first thing you need to do is trust in Jesus. Jesus, I trust in you. Satan's nothing compared to Jesus. And you see that in exorcism. I mean, it confirms that in their faith. You throw just a little holy water on the possessed person, hold up a crucifix, and the demons start screaming. They wow. can't stand anything holy. You know, it's amazing. The first uh, few pages in your book... Um, there was a, there was a common nod, nod to uh, Father Gabriel Morth mm. with the Christological prayer of Saint Paul, and it's for him when he was in a breaking point in exorcism, he would he would read that uh, Philippians passage, you know, at that at at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and everyone would kneel. And he said that the possessed always was forced to kneel in that moment. You you mentioned something similar, and that yeah. just talks about the authority of Christ over. That any of the demons. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, basically, when you do an exorcism, you say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. So it is the power of Christ. It's not me. It's Jesus. And they'll often diss me. You know, they'll say, you're nothing, Rosetti. You're dirt. You can't do anything. Mm. And you have no power over us. I said, you know, you're right. I'm nothing. I'm a sinner. But I'm not your problem. Jesus <laughs> is your problem. In the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And you have a special devotion to Mary, don't you? Oh, well, every exorcist does. I mean, we love our Blessed Mother. She's, she's the best exorcist ever. She just shows up. She doesn't have to say a thing. She just shows up, and they can't get out of the room. The demons can't get out of the room fast enough. Wow. And any particular saints that you uh, have found in your ministry that, that also evoke such a... Well, the first one we, we, we sometimes underestimate, but this year where I think we're getting better at is St. Joseph. Saint Joseph. He's, he's one yeah. of his names terror is the demons. terror of demons. Yeah, yeah. And they're terrified of St. Joseph. Mm. And, of course, lots of others. We, we, of course, we love Padre Pio. Mm. Uh, I have a special devotion to St. Gemma Galgani. We invoke Mary, Mary Magdalene, you know. Mm. Uh, so, and, and also, if there's a special connection between a possessed person and a particular saint, then we'll say, let's invoke that saint, because many of us have specific saints watching over us. Mm. You know, and so we invoke those saints. Now, Monsignor, I think in, in some of your exorcisms, um, you get really specific in your book, too, about the demons and the names that they have. Oh. And um, and even that... Uh, the choirs. The qu- that yeah, and that even that, that Satan Satan himself uh, has uh, appeared uh, to you. Yeah. 
during exorcisms. And what's that like? <laughs> well, it's only, I mean, lots of times when you ask, you, you ask demons their name, you, uh, uh, the exorcist does. We don't, we only exorcists should do that because mm. uh, it gives you more authority over them, get rid of them faster. Mm. Mm-hmm. But only, and lots of times demons will say their name is Satan or Lucifer or whatever, mm. but, but there are they're, they're lower level demons. Only once in 14 years have I run into Lucifer himself, and that was uh, striking. Mm. I mean, it, it's a, demons are uh, angels, fallen angels, and they mm. have their own personalities like we do. Mm. So he came forward with a hiss. You hear the hiss in his voice, and uh, you could tell he was brilliant, deadly, and cunning. Mm. Uh, some of the demons are, are really, frankly, is, uh, like, they act like uh, adolescent gang members. Mm. You know, but when he get to it, Lucifer himself, uh, one needs to be particularly on on your toes and uh, careful wow. because wow. Uh, he's uh, vicious and uh, ruthless and so, brilliant. You know? So, so you didn't say to him, uh, "Oh, it's only you." <laughs> well, the good news was basically, but still, you throw the holy water on him and and, and that and the crucifix and stuff, and he starts screaming just like the rest of the ones. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, one of the priests in the room when he when he did that was said he was so surprised and edified. He said Lucifer himself mm-hmm. was getting you know getting uh, beaten up by the church's grace and and uh, the crucifix. So he he was impressed at these sacramentals, but mm-hmm. even the you know, the the king of hell himself would be. Uh, done in by these things he has no special power huh no he's, he's obviously there 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 is he's stronger and faster mm. and mm. and more brilliant than the ones below him but but still that's why they're in hell they can't stand being in heaven mm. uh, actually hell for them is where they have to be because if they were in god's presence they would they couldn't stand it they can't mm. stand the light and so <clears throat> even lucifer can't stand a little holy water because it's 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 a presence of the grace of Jesus there. Wow. And and you wrote in your book, I think that, that when that happens, like, it, it, like it's not, don't engage right um, with, with the demon or with Lucifer himself. Like don't engage, don't let curiosity get the better part of you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pope Francis said that several times and, and he said, you know, don't get into a dialogue with the devil. And we don't either. We have, mm. there are only certain things we can ask directly related to the exorcism. And that's it. Mm. You you stray outside those boundaries, mm. and uh, you could find yourself, you know, in a in a jam. So stick and stay inside the boat. Uh, use the specific questions you need, but don't start getting into a dialogue. Oh, that must be that must be hard. It must take a lot of discipline. <laughs> well, I've, I've, I, it doesn't much anymore because mm. everything I've, I tell the possessed, everything out of a demon's mouth is a liar yeah, manipulation, yeah, unless Jesus forces them to tell the truth. Mm. But normally. Everything out of their mouths is, is uh, meant to do something evil. Mm. Uh, so, I, frankly, I, they start, they'll start blabbing. They'll just say they want to entice me into whatever. And I just say, close your mouth. In Jesus' name, I command you, close your mouth. I am not interested in what you had to say. There's only one thing I want you to tell me. I want you to tell me your name and when you're leaving and how to get rid of you. Mm. This is great stuff, Monsignor. And I guess yeah, we have about uh, three minutes or so left. So I wanted to ask you, too. So you're um, after the Air Force Academy, and uh-huh. uh, you decided to become a priest. What, what's your glory story? How did, how did that happen? How, what was you, did you have a conversion? Were you a very faithful Catholic up to that time? Did you have a conversion story? How, how did uh, it all come about? 
Well, uh, I, uh, there wasn't. I wasn't knocked off my horse in any particular. Thing. <laughs> there were moments of grace. Uh, I remember because I was an altar boy growing up, mm. and I always liked it. I mean, I just always felt an attraction to that. I remember going to a uh, a mission uh, that a priest preached, and that was a very important sort of conversion moment. Uh, I got to be friends with the Marian old fathers and sisters in Taiwan when I was stationed in Taiwan for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and they were just a wonderful group of sisters and that I got to know yeah. and chum around with, and mm. and that was fun. I was in the Air Force, and they were they were these poor sisters, and I I would uh, run them little future chocolates and different things that they would enjoy that they couldn't get, you know. Mm. So that and I would drive them, and so it was fun. It, it was a nice thing, and they were. So I, I'm an honorary Marino sister. I don't know if you know that. I have, a, <laughs> I have the, the pin. I have the little plaque. I've got all sorts of things. So I'm an honorary Marino sister. I want you to know. That's great. That's great. And and so did when you you left the Air Force and straight into uh, the seminary after. Uh... Well, actually, I was a Carthusian monk for six months. Wow. And, uh, and that was terrific. I was my time in the desert, and then. Uh, I uh, go went to the diocese. I had a little claustrophobia, fear of the cloister, cloister, you know. Mm. And then I went to the diocese, and uh, here I am, you know, thirty-eight years later, whatever it is. And and you are are bringing bringing people back to Christ and through an amazing ministry, guys. I want to put a special plug in there for uh, you know Monsignor's newest book again, Diary of an American Exorcist, Demons Possession, and the Modern Day Battle Against Ancient Evil. Please look it up, guys. Uh, I got it on Amazon, a pretty quick delivery. Um, certainly a topic you don't want to obsess on, but certainly an, an, also a topic you need to be aware of. And this is a great way to uh, open your eyes a little bit and get closer to Jesus Christ. And definitely download his app. Uh, can you mention the name of that app again, Monsignor? Catholic Exorcism. Wonderful. Well, listen, we really appreciate this um, this time that you spent with us Uh you know, we definitely, uh, we, we do run a conference, and uh, maybe we can entice you to uh, come and speak to the men of the diocese at some point in the future. Uh, God willing, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, and, and brothers out there, God bless you as you drive home on this, uh, this Friday. We can't wait to see you again, and again, thank you so much, uh, Monsignor Stephen. George Bill, God bless you both. God bless your ministry. God bless, God bless. Monsignor. Thank you so much. Thank you.